Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, Danny Sarek joins me. It's Eagles week. So, yeah, we talk Zach Ertz. Big deal or not a big deal for him facing his former team? Ertz, by the way, was not spotted at practice Wednesday. One of ten. That's right, ten players to not participate. It was good, though, to see some familiar faces back at practice. First, though, how do we really feel about a 2-2 two and two record? It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 599, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed him. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. So there is a saying, and I believe it was former head coach Bill Parcells who would like to say, you are what your record says you are. And right now, Danny and the Cardinals are 2-2. Two and two. There's also another saying, did you pass the eye test? And right now, for me... Got to be honest with everyone. Cardinals do not pass the eye test when you look at the rest of the NFC West. I'm not even convinced this has looked like a true 2-2 two and two team, Craig. Period? Period. Okay. We have not seen complimentary football with the exception of the second half in Week 4 in Carolina when the offense decided to start taking advantage of the opportunities the defense was presenting itself. I mean, this, this team... Offense and defense, more consistently offense, has struggled to find rhythm, to move the chains, to get the ball rolling, to score. Score touchdowns, score points. They have yet to score points in the first quarter of the game. The defense came alive last week, albeit against a not very good Carolina Panthers team. So I think facing the 4-0 Eagles this week will be a better test for the defense. The defense has had sparks. The offense has, has consistently struggled. So while there have been good moments, there have been good halves, I have not seen a full game, so I'm not even sure that this is a true 2-2 two and two team. I bring this up, Bird Gang, because if you look at the division, every team is 2-2, two and two, much like the entire NFL. 15 of the 32 teams are 2-2. Two and two. So are the Cardinals fortunate to be 2-2? Two and two? I think, just based off of listening to you, Danny, I'm in agreement. If you look at the rest of the division, Rams, 49ers, Seahawks, who do you trust the most after four games after the first quarter of the season? Obviously, most recently, the 49ers made the Rams look very vulnerable. But I'll still say the of the four, I'm still leaning a little bit, just a little bit, with the Rams just because of the talents and the fact that they are the defending Super Bowl champions. As good as the 49ers have looked and as surprisingly as good as the Seahawks have looked. I think that's fair. I wonder what the narrative is of from the outside of these teams looking at the Cardinals. What would they be saying the way, you know, you're sitting here talking about the rest of the NFC West. What would they be saying about the Cardinals? Much like I think everyone else, slow starts, defense has kept them in games, helped them win games. To me, the biggest surprise to these first four games has been the defense. Was not expecting Vance Joseph's unit to carry this team and allow this team to have the opportunity to come back against the Raiders and come back against the Panthers. Agreed. The, both sides of the ball for this Cardinals team look very different of the offense, with really the exception of Kyler Murray, is very veteran-heavy. Experienced players is, is what this offense is really built around in the defense because of that when you're looking at cap space and who you can bring in, who you can sign, who you decide to keep. 
is relying a lot more on that youth for their depth. So absolutely the expectation was this defense needs to do just enough to keep you in the games, and it's the offense that's going to carry you over. Putting up 30-plus points every game, when you look at the schedule, those are the types of offenses they're going to be facing. So the fact that it's been a different story, and you're right, it has been the defense keeping them in, winning them games, has been a bit of a surprise. As much as I like just a little bit the Rams over the 49ers, I found this interesting, and there's a tie-in Bird Gang to this week's opponent in the Philadelphia Eagles, but when you look at point differential, how many points have you scored, how many points have you allowed, the second-best team in the NFC at a plus 25, the San Francisco 49ers. And their two wins have both come within the division. And that's, as always, I say this out loud, maybe I should put the 49ers a little bit ahead of the Rams just based off the fact that they've got two division wins versus everyone else. Because you win the division now all of a sudden, or you you win enough games within the division, that puts you just a couple of steps ahead of everyone else as far as clinching one of those seven playoff spots. Especially, I mean, look, AFC West is a different beast this year now with the free agents that were out of those teams, but I still think the NFC West is one of the tougher divisions in the league. And when Kyler Murray had his press conference this week, I asked him about the fact that this entire division is 2-2. Two and two. Does that eliminate any sort of panic to iron out the wrinkles this team clearly has? Because you have some wiggle room in the standings. There's, there's not one team in the NFC West who's already come away and has a three or four, two or three, you know, game lead and the rest of them. And I was expecting more of an answer of, yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that kind of gives us space to work with. But he viewed it completely differently by saying, that to me tells me that this division is competitive. And that's what he wants. He always says to be the best, you have to beat the best. So the fact that he was talking about how the fact that every team is two and two, that puts more on this team. They have to be better. He he took that in a different way than I was expecting him to. He took it almost like we haven't done enough. Yeah, our record is two and two, and so we're on equal footing with everyone else. But I think he, like a lot of people, and you're just being honest with yourself, passed the eye test. The Cardinals have not passed the eye test, at least in the first quarter of the season. Yet here they are, two and two. Now is week five, the start of their season as far as you got to reset. First four games, some good, some bad, some very ugly, and now you reset with a very good Philadelphia Eagles team coming to State Farm Stadium. And the goal has been to try and get, at least I say the goal from what we've talked about on the media side in-house, has been to try and go 500 without DeAndre Hopkins. So you've got the 4-0 Eagles and then you've got the Seahawks. But I think just as important as getting those wins, it's about fine-tuning offensively the run game and finding way to be less horizontal and, you know, those underneath shots and finding ways to be explosive on offense. That way, when you get D-Hop back, you can kind of plug him in and it just takes your offense to a whole new level as opposed to still having to work through things. So, of course, getting that win is important, but I also think the offense really needs to fine-tune everything so you can kind of get the ball rolling much faster with DeAndre Hopkins when he is able to come back, especially on that short week, the Thursday night game against the Saints. By the way, speaking of D-Hop, I don't know if you were in the locker room during the open portion, but number 10 made an appearance. DeAndre Hopkins is back in the building. Now, no, he cannot play he's still got to sit out two more games but the rule is after four games of a six game suspension you are allowed back in the building still some things you cannot do but he can now be around his teammates 
and then kind of reassimilate back in to the to, to the team. But there are still some limits what he can and cannot do. But it was just good to see Hop in the building and then his teammates kind of walking over and shaking hands and welcoming him back. So it's a step in the right direction. Still got to wait two weeks, but DeAndre Hopkins close to returning. Very interesting. I was in the locker room. I had to step out to record a video, so I did not see that. But thankfully, even before you get DeAndre Hopkins back, there's a chance you get other players back coming off IR. Wide receiver Antoine Wesley is practicing. Cornerback Antonio Hamilton. Backup quarterback Colt McCoy. They have 21 days for this team to decide, you know, when it's the time to bring them up to the active roster, in which case you got to do a little dancing to make (laughs) room for them. But I think the release of Andy Isabella at least is a good sign for Wesley to be ready to play this week. And also A.J. Green, who was a participant during the open portion of practice. And I'll say this, despite that bone bruise and how bad it looked when he landed as far as getting hurt, he was running and participating and almost going full speed, at least on a Wednesday practice. We'll see how the rest of the week carries out. But if you can get and A.J. Green back on the field, and Antoine Wesley back on the field. Now, all of a sudden, not only do you have reinforcements in the wide receiver room, but what we've talked about is you have some height. Two six-foot-four receivers to complement a Hollywood Brown, a Rondell Moore, a Greg Dortch, but not just a bunch of guys who are six feet and under. And Hollywood Brown has proven he can make those contested catches. We saw that touchdown in Carolina, but I think having the height adds on its own, a little more aggression and um, definitely helps an area that this wide receiver core has been lacking the last couple of weeks. I'm not sure that Antonio Hamilton will be ready to play. I just think I'm not I'm not sure, you know, he had the, the burns on his feet and his legs that put him on the NFI list, which also keeps you out for four weeks. I'm not sure, like conditioning wise, if that's any different or affects him in any way. Thankfully, Trayvon Mullen has been playing more and more every week, so that's a bit of a relief in the secondary. So I'm not sure about Hamilton. I would assume that it, it looks probably likely for Wesley. I would hope that we see Tweezy back on the field this week. And then again, how much are you able to do? How many snaps are you able to do? I'll say this, though. Rondell Moore, after missing time and all of a sudden makes his debut and I believe he was on the field for upwards of what 70 75 percent of the offensive snaps so they either he was like yeah I'm itching to get out there or it's like we're just going to throw you back out there now it did mean we saw less of Greg Dorch but that's what happens when you bring in someone else not everyone can play so roles now all of a sudden have to be redefined when you bring in new pieces to your offense that's just the way the cookie crumbles unfortunately but you talk about roles being redefined and it was interesting to see Ron Moore used in a very similar fashion to the way we saw last year when we were told that it was going to look different move him around a little more and maybe that is because just being cautious in the hamstring that he was nursing maybe that has to do with their opponent you know the fact that you still didn't have AJ Green Antoine Wesley DeAndre Hopkins maybe that affected the way they used Rondell Moore but I did think that was interesting that it was still a lot of those horizontal short passes to Rondell Moore you put Rondell Moore in the slot and obviously he can be utilized as an outside receiver but if you do have an A.J. Green on the field with Hollywood and Antoine Wesley are you more likely to see Hollywood Brown on the left side or more in the slot move him around more and all of a sudden Wesley or Green becomes that X receiver that was occupied by DeAndre Hopkins yeah and then what happens when D-Hop comes back I mean that that's the question that's you would 
think that would almost be a, a blessing in disguise, you know, a good thing for head coach Cliff Kingsbury and his coaching staff of having that flexibility with your wide receivers. It's just not something that they've been able to utilize having Wesley out and Rondell Moore out until last week and having to use those wide receivers lower on the depth chart like Andre Bocelli and Andy Isabel up until this point, Greg Dortch. Not an excuse, but the revolving door at the wide receiver position. Guys coming and going, not sure who's going to be available on a particular Sunday. The question was asked to Kyler Murray about how difficult that's been for him. And he, I wouldn't say he dismissed it, but he has always been whoever's on the field on a Sunday, I have 100% confidence in them to do the job, regardless of who it is based off experience or whatever. I appreciate that. I just don't know how realistic that is when you are missing your top wide receiver, an injury to A.J. Green, an injury to Antoine Wesley, because there is a drop-off between your first three, four wide receivers to who comes in to become your top three, four wide receivers that particular week. I appreciate Kyler Murray saying that. It's what you would expect, but also, what else What else would he say, right? I mean, you're exactly right. There's a difference in the trust factor when you have DeAndre Hopkins, when you have Hollywood Brown out there, than when you have to rely on those players who don't have that experience. And I think it's a mixture of, one, that being shown with who he's been targeting the last couple of weeks. But I also think that Carolina was the first time this Cardinals team has had a lead all year. And that has absolutely affected the playbook and, and the way that this offense has been moving. So... I think it's a combination of that, but I also think you you can tell he might trust everyone out there, but he trusts them, I think, to a different extent. And I'm not saying that's wrong. Absolutely, it makes more sense to have you know have trust in those guys who have been in those situations and have that experience and all of that. So that's why I think it really helps getting A.J. Green, if he's able to come back, Antoine Wesley, and then very shortly, DeAndre Hopkins. You have that trust, and then, okay, I trust you to do it, and then when I ask you to do something or we give you the opportunity – what do you do with those snaps? And then all of a sudden, if you don't run the route correctly, you drop a pass. You're not where you're supposed to be. All of a sudden, you lose that trust over the course of a week, over the course of a game. And I just, and some guys will have a little bit more of a leash, if you will. And it's nothing against looking at A.J. Green versus a Greg Dorch or an Andre Bocelli, but Green's been in this league half a dozen years, two, I mean, sorry, two dozen, I mean, yeah, a dozen years versus Dorch, who's just finally getting the uh, real opportunity and he's made the most of it. But you you rely a little bit more on experience versus youth in that situation. And I think especially not even just wide receivers, but looking at the other receivers, that tight end room in Zach Ertz and Max Williams. I mean, since day one, we have seen the connection of K1 and Zach Ertz. Um, and I think that is another name Kyler almost alluded to him kind of being a security blanket for him in his press conference this week and how Ertz has kind of opened his eyes to the importance of a tight end and how much they can change the game for you. And I think that's been a good, I don't want to say security blanket, but maybe a reliable target for Kyler Murray these first couple of weeks when you've had so much adversity to the wide receiver room. Security blanket in this respect because you know Zach Ertz is going to be open and maybe it's not the deep shot, but it's someone underneath who is going to be open regardless. Maybe not the first progression, the second, but that third progression, hey, if my first two options aren't open, I can always count on that tight end, i.e. Zach Ertz, 
to be that guy to make the catch and move the chains. And Kyler Murray was very funny in his press conference because, of course, it came up. You know, Ertz is going against his former team, the Philadelphia Eagles, for the first time this week about if he's gone up to Kyler and asked for any extra looks this week. And Kyler laughed and said no. But, you know, those tight ends, that he was joking when he said, that you know, the tight ends, I always want the ball if Zach's open and I go somewhere else. You know, it's the arms in the air. I, I hear about it. I You know, I'm aware that he was open. And I thought that was pretty funny of – just kind of talking about Zach's personality and how he he imagines Zach Ertz will be a little more emotional this week, will really want to make an impact out on the field, which you can't blame him. He spent eight-plus years in Philly. He's spoken very highly of the city, the organization. You know, him and his wife started their foundation out there. So it all makes a lot of sense for Zach Ertz to want to ball out at State Farm Stadium this week. We have not yet had a chance as we speak here on this Wednesday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, to hear from Zach Ertz. I fully expect that to happen on Thursday or Friday. But he did talk with Philadelphia reporters on Monday because this is a big deal. Probably, Danny, a bigger deal if this game was in Philly. But for Zach Ertz, after 123 games, the franchise single-season record holder for receptions, ranked second all-time in career receptions, third in receiving yards, three-time Pro Bowler, a Super Bowl champion wearing that Eagles uniform, it is going to be a little odd. It is going to be a little strange for him to look on the other side. Now things have changed over this last year. There are going to be a lot of familiar faces. I just think it would be much, much different if he was walking in on the road versus walking in to State Farm Stadium. Yeah, and it's going to be important to contain those emotions and and not try and do too much, you know, do anything of that. But Zach is a pro. He's been in this league. You just talked about all his accolades for a long time, so I don't have any worry about that. It's almost like a little bit of, for me personally, like exciting, I would think, for Zach. Like I'm excited for him, right? You get a an opportunity to, to kind of prove yourself against – your former organization, and maybe not so much as in a vengeful way, but I'm sure that's, you know, a little more motivation, a little more excitement for him. But you're right. I mean, this team still doesn't look the way it was when he was there, and he really wasn't there a lot last year. So there's really been a lot of turnover from, you know, that Eagles team he won the Super Bowl with. So I'm not sure if that kind of maybe takes away any of that extra emotion, um, but I'm sure he's very excited. It's almost been a full calendar year since that trade Cardinals acquiring Ertz on October 15th 2021 and how yearly almost a year to the day he will play the Eagles and he told Eagles reporters quote I'll never have a bad memory about my time there end quote and it was a very emotional Zach Ertz remember he was played in that Thursday night game and was traded the next day because it was a Friday morning but he was on the field for the Eagles on Thursday night. He knew then, before that game began, that chances were good that that was going to be his last game. And I'm not quite sure if I remember if he knew where he was headed, but that was in all likelihood going to be his last game. And he was very emotional leaving the stadium. And it was a little bit of a tumultuous slash year, year and a half for him just because of the future. Was he a part of the long-term future of that organization? Yet, I'll give the Eagles credit, giving him an opportunity to continue his career elsewhere and in a situation and a place, one, that he's familiar with here in Arizona, and two, that is, we hope, a perennial playoff contender, especially when you add the quality talent of a Zach Ertz. And it was different because Zach Ertz was a trade, but it was kind of the same situation with the Houston Texans and J.J. Watt. And, and, you know, having that respect to let them finish out their career 
where they wanted to. And Zach Ertz has said from the very beginning, a large part of him wanting to be out here was Kyler Murray and and the way that he practices, the way that he plays him being so skilled as a quarterback and the way that he sees the game. That was a big reason as to why Zach Ertz wanted to come out to Arizona. By the way, Zach Ertz not on the practice field, not spotted on Wednesday during the open portion of practice. It was okay because he was just resting on Wednesday. There are 10 players, Danny, 10, 10 of 53. Going into week five. I can do my math real quick. That's almost 20% of the active roster. I'm not good at math, so I'll take your word on that. Well, that's the difference between going to Missouri and going to Syracuse. Okay. Carry on, Craig. Brought it up, not me. All right, so the number is 10. (laughs) 10 players did not practice on Wednesday. Ertz and Kelvin Beecham due to rest. Veteran days. The other eight... All because of injury. You want me to go through this entire list, Danny, or just single out a handful of players that maybe we're more concerned about than others? Uh, looking at this list, I think it's almost a concern for every player, Craig. Right. So let's just go top to bottom. <laughs> Hollywood Brown did not practice because of a foot. Remember, he showed up on the injury report Friday last week, played, played well. I'm okay if he doesn't play. Yet at the same if time... If he doesn't play? If he doesn't practice? I'm sorry, if he doesn't practice. Okay, uh, there we go. Cool. Slip of the tongue there. Sorry about that. Great. All right. Now, more concerning, the fact that I count one, two, three offensive linemen, Max Garcia, Rodney Hudson, and Justin Pugh because of a toe, knee, and elbow as far as injuries, Kelvin Beecham because of rest. But you look at those three... Three offensive linemen not on the practice field because of injury, and all of a sudden it makes the signing of Billy Price a little bit more, okay, we need help in case. And Cliff Kingsbury said that the Price signing was because of insurance in the event that you need Sean Harlow to play center or you need an extra body at guard because Price can do both. And while Garcia, Hudson, and Pugh did not practice – down at the bottom of the list, DJ Humphreys was limited with a hamstring. So that brings your total to four. <sighs> okay. All right. A little bit more worried. But see, I, I, again, I've tried not to make a big deal about the Wednesday injury report. Yet, that's a lot of offense. Because at this point, you know, everyone's getting banged up. You know, it, what's interesting to me is. We'll have to ask this when we get a chance to talk to Kingsbury next is Max Williams is on this list with a knee for not practicing. So that that makes me wonder, is this more of a rest because of the knee with the ACL injury almost a year ago to the day that he had multiple surgeries on that he came back from? Is this different? Is it the other knee? (laughs) Um, A couple of questions there with Max Williams. Nick Vigil out didn't practice Wednesday with a hamstring, which is why he left the game. That's a question. Um, how is that going to affect Isaiah Simmons and his play possibly this week? Matt Prater didn't practice Wednesday with the right hip. And the fact that, you know, Benjamin took some kicks uh, late in the game in Carolina and they the Cardinals brought in another kicker. Uh, Kingsbury said he wasn't sure if Prater was going to go on IR yet, but it, it's clear he's not playing this week. He's not playing, and there was that door open. Okay, what do you do at the kicker position moving forward? It is going to be Matt Amendola who kicks this week. He's currently on the practice squad, so he'll be elevated on Saturday. He's your kicker this week. Past this week, 
interesting if that continues to be Amendola for a week or two or three and then decide what to do with Matt Prater. But Amendola does have kicking experience this season. Two games with the Chiefs. He was 3 of 4 on field goal, 3 of 4 on PAT. So it's not like someone off the street who hasn't seen any game action this season. So that's encouraging. Hasn't seen a lot of action, period, 13 career games, but someone who has kicked this season. And I think if you are going to be without your kicker and you know days in advance, get someone who at least was with a team in training camp or earlier in the season and just for whatever reason it didn't work out in that particular situation. There's there's a lot of names on that list. Uh, I'm, I'm with you by the time of recording this on Wednesday. I'm not overly concerned quite yet. Um, but once again, like last year, the fact that you have four of your offensive linemen on this list, I mean, this was not new for that offensive line dealing with adversity last year. It is... It has the potential to be concerning. How about that? That's a good way to phrase it, the potential, that you hope that the hamstring injury to Humphreys improves as the the days progress. He doesn't re-injure it or retweak it Thursday or Friday. And then obviously with Max Garcia, Rodney Hudson, and Justin Pugh, that they're able to do something. If not, you feel confident in their ability, their knowledge of this offense, that they can go out there on Sunday, especially – Rodney Hudson. I know the the errant snap over the head of Kyler Murray was not good. And in fact, it was inexcusable. But I'd much rather have him at the center spot than a Sean Harlow because, or even a Billy Price just because, again, we talk about experience and knowledge of the offense and working with the quarterback. You might be going into this game with a brand new center, but Harlow did see a lot of reps in training camp because Hudson just didn't do a whole heck of a lot in training camp. It's not even that, but looking at the left guard position of Justin Pugh exited Carolina's game after re-aggravating an elbow injury that he was dealing with in practice that week. He is currently day-to-day. Max Garcia, if you got Will Hernandez at right guard, Max Garcia or Sean Harlow would have been your backup. So Max Garcia now being on this injury report list isn't great because if you're going to have to use Sean Harlow as your backup center – Whoops, you might not be able to. He's probably going to have to be your left guard, and you're going to have to have Billy Price be your backup center who's been on this team come Sunday for, what, four days? So, again, potential to be concerning, Craig, but I am I'm okay right now. Yeah, knock, knock on, on wood. wood. Do we have to do that? Fingers crossed and all that fun stuff so we don't jinx anything here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. There was some good news in addition to A.J. Green being on the practice field. Good to see Ezekiel Turner out on the practice field and the reason his absence was noted is because he's your personal protector on punt team he was out Deontay Thompson did not block and then all of a sudden you've got a block punt and then not good against the Rams as far as short field position for Matthew Stafford and company so Sometimes special teams, those little plays, can mean all the difference between walking uh, walking off the field with a win, or in this case with the Rams a couple of weeks ago, a loss. Yeah, or if you're Eno Benjamin, can mean a whole lot having to go and kick by and the then way, make the tackle. I, I asked, I did ask Will Hernandez before he was swarmed by the media during open locker room. I went up and asked, "Is like so? Would we have seen you?" in the fourth quarter as opposed to Eno as far as kicking off. And he broke into a big smile and said, yes, it would have been me. Now, Cliff Kingsbury 
and no uncertain team said, no, it would have been Eno. So now all of a sudden we've got a back and forth between Will Hernandez and Eno Benjamin, although Will said he did practice kicking in college, and the last time he did kick, it went into the end zone for a touchback. I was like, okay, so you got a stronger leg than Eno. It was like, well, we did kick off from the 40 as opposed to what Eno did from the 35-yard line. Yeah, apparently it's not as close as Will Hernandez likes it to believe, according to Eno and Kingsbury. Would love to see Will Hernandez, though, kick off. Just to see that body walk out onto the field, tee the ball up the 35-yard line, and just let it fly. Regardless, it would have gone viral. Oh, absolutely. Heck, Eno Benjamins, because he made the tackle. That was a solid play as well. By the way, the Eagles did not practice on Wednesday, just a walkthrough. They're dealing with some injuries as well. But, hey, you're 4-0. You're riding high with a Philadelphia Eagles team that is very good on offense, very good on defense. And I know you had a chance to catch up with Zach Allen for this week's sideline exchange. What did Zach, coming off his, I think, maybe one of his better games, if not best game of his young career last week, say about the Eagles when he's looking at this team now that has Jalen Hurts and a number of different offensive weapons. Yeah, you're looking in the backfield, Miles Sanders out wide, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, tight end Dallas Goddard, and that's not including Jalen Hurts, who's rushed for 20 or more yards in every game, only thrown two picks. This Eagles offense has put up 400 or more yards every game, ranks in the top 10 in third downs and fourth downs. This is not going to be the same team they faced in Carolina. And I think that this Cardinals defense understands that. It's about the improvements they made to get to that point to play the way they did in week four. And how can you carry that over against a team, a very good offense, a quarterback that you're going to have to keep in the pocket. You're going to have to find ways to make him uncomfortable. And they know that that's the goal. And they know that it will be a challenge, right? Baker Mayfield head on to the ball a little bit longer than most quarterbacks. They know it's going to be different. But how do you build off that confidence the success, and and not only the success this past game, but when you look, every game this defense has contained the biggest offensive threat, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Christian McCaffrey. So it's finding, it's, it's a little tougher, I think, with the Eagles because you have more options as opposed to just having that one player that you can tell that quarterback is going to be looking at on every play. They're going to have to find a way to do it and stop these offensive threats in a more balanced offense. Yeah, is it the running? Is it the receiving? Maybe a little bit of a combination of both. Does Byron Murphy rotate between Brown and between A.J. or Devontae? What do you do as far as the wide receivers are concerned? And obviously, Vance Joseph always preaches you got to stop the run. Now, last week, because of the weather conditions, they utilize Miles Sanders a little bit more than I think they would typically do. It's career-high 27 rushing attempts for him because of the weather conditions. It's not going to be the case this weekend at State Farm Stadium. No. Got that roof. It's going to be good weather. It always is at State Farm Stadium. It's going to be the crucial catch game, too, for cancer survivors, which is always exciting. So if you haven't already got your ticket, get your ticket. Come on out. If you do have your ticket, great. It's going to be going to be fun 125 is the kickoff on sunday 8 30 a.m pregame coverage begins as we look at this contest and what the cardinals defense is going to have to do as far as what we were able to do um the you're also with cardstock as far as your interview with drew stanton looking at the 
own Cardinals defense and why they've been so successful. Right. Looking at the trend, the defense coming off its best performance. Season low, 16 points allowed, three turnovers for the first time this season. Didn't allow their opponent to score on the first three drives. It was a faster start, a much more sound performance. So we analyze the defense and, again, the difficulties that are going to be ahead of them this week with the Eagles. But the foundation that they have started to set, how can that? How can they use that to their advantage? So you can catch that on all the Arizona Cardinals platforms, specifically the website azcardinals.com and the official YouTube page as well. Sideline exchange with Zach Allen and in Cardstock, the weekly look with Drew Stanton as far as from a quarterback's point of view, what he sees either with the Cardinals or that week's opponent. And this week it was more, I think the defense needs to get its credit because they are why this team is two and two right now yeah it was a defense that held them in the game specifically in Carolina so that's what we looked at Drew did a great job as always looking through that analysis and and I think it's really great for viewers whether or not you have extensive knowledge of the game or not he does a really great job in making his points um, very digestible before we close up shop here on this Wednesday we mentioned that this is crucial crucial catch game on Sunday but later on this month the Arizona Cardinals are going to hold their first ever 5k and watch party at State Farm Stadium it is Sunday October 30th you can run through State Farm Stadium and then stick around and watch the Cardinals take on the Vikings who will be in Minnesota the first 1,000 people who register will receive a free ticket to the Cardinals and Seahawks game on November 6th for more information, go to azcardinals.com slash 5K. Obviously, I'm on the air. You'll be in Minnesota. Oh, what an excuse for you, Craig. <laughs> well, Why guess, can't you do both? Why can't you run I and talk at the same time? Let's see. We have the ability to work remotely and obviously on the sidelines, which is where you do your pregame work. So you could have the head the headphones on and the pack strapped. And I guess, yeah, you know, you could run, walk. No, I'm saying you could run or walk while you're on air. You're why, why can't you do that from State Farm Stadium? Why Why just me? Why couldn't you do that from Minnesota? Well, I guess I could, and you would never know the <laughs> truth. So sure, I'll, I, I will commit to that. Sure, Craig, you're never going to know the difference. That's true. 5K, that, sound, that's, that, that might be a little bit too much for me. You like to walk, though. You're I a do. walker. I walk. I walk every morning. But running... You don't have those to days, run. those days are behind me. You've got long legs. You've got long strides, Craig. <laughs> long you would finish stride. that five k in no time. Again, the Cardinals' first ever five k and watch party, State Farm Stadium. It is Sunday, October thirtieth, right before Halloween, so you can get all that exercise and then obviously the candy the next day. So it works out perfectly. Go to azcardinals.com/slash-five-k for more information. And then, of course, this Sunday at State Farm Stadium, Cardinals and Eagles. Another opportunity, Danny, to end what has become America's nightmare, at least here in Arizona, the inability to win at home. It's going to be asked. It was asked on Wednesday. It's going to be asked on Thursday and Friday. It will be asked until it's no longer a streak where it becomes, hey, finally winning at home. But everyone has the same stock answer. New season, 0-2 at home, not worried about what happened a year ago. I can't blame them, but I also would think that is on their minds, even if they say otherwise. It's been almost a full calendar year, so it's time to get that monkey off your back. 350 days. Again with the math, Craig. Look at you. I try. You try and you succeed. Great job. Thank you. 
Make sure we uh, edit this out and make sure it's a drop now from now on that we can use this. Appreciate that, Danny. Always, always Shoot. looking to move forward here. Now that now there's, <laughs> it's going to be forever known that I was nice to you. Shoot. Hey, there's a first time for everything, right? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> okay, before this thing really gets out of hand, and I. Well, I'll just leave it at that. On that note, let's put an end, put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.